really, really lovely to see you all today. Really amazing. Um, I would say up front, I'm really fidgety, so I'll be moving around quite a lot. I may even come down here because it's oh look, I can. So I will probably do a fair bit, of, a fair bit of moving around. So um, right, I appreciate your answers to the questions. I really didn't know what was going to come up. Obviously, I didn't know. But actually, it's really interesting to hear that there's quite a bit of openness. Maybe more openness, intrigue, ready, curious than perhaps might have been expecting. And a 3.9 tells me that maybe some of them are trying, but maybe they don't know what to do or how to do it. And also maybe some, some of you have got a lot of resistance. So um, we're going to have an interesting canter through um, the next piece. Am I going the right way around here? Yeah, okay. So uh, the conversation uh, I'd really, really like to have with you is, is this one that you can drive coaching cultural change uh, without board engagement, but it usually helps, kind of. <laughs> so in that, it's slightly more complicated than that. You know, when you devoted them that in the beginning, it is a little bit more complicated than that. Um, and before we go any further, what I'd also like to do in true coach style, so thank you for the very coach introduction, Tim. I am coached through and through like a stick of rock, but um, I want to uh, honor the experience in the room, because I think there's about 80 of us in the room, um, oh, am I forgetting feedback again, sir? I think there's about 80 of us in the room, and um, on a rough estimate, a uh, conservative estimate of 10 years' experience each, that makes that we've got at least 800 years' experience in this room. If you want to do the maths over lunch, someone volunteer to tot it all up, it'll come to a decent number. There may be well more than 800 years. So, you know, if we honour that experience, as, as I, I do whenever I work with groups and teams, that means in true coaching style, all of the wisdom that you need is probably here in the room. You probably know the answers to an awful lot of this stuff. So let, what I'm intending to do, where I'm coming from, is to, to prompt, to of course ask some questions, to tell a couple of stories and offer some examples. Primarily where I'm coming from is to encourage. You know, in the true meaning of encourage, to help embolden and um, support you to have the courage you need to move forward and do what you need to be done, because it can be done. Uh, and I'm sure many of you are already making great strides. So, um, with that in mind, without further ado, so, <laughs> I love this picture. So I thought, yes, I've got to use that. <laughs> you can just see what's about to happen, and of course this little guy can't. <laughs> so I wanted to start off um, my uh, conversation with you guys about, by talking about an example of a, of a real client organisation that I've worked with. Uh, was asked to work with to help them with their culture and values work. Um, they've been struggling for some time around this. So it's a story about a very, very positive and passionate chief executive and how kind of that happened, really. Um, so I won't name any names, of course, in good coaching confidentiality style. Um, an organisation of around 500 employees and a chief executive who was themselves uh, had them, themselves had experience of being coached, had had that transformation, transformational experience, and then become a coach, and was very, very passionate. You know, a bit like the non-smoker gets very, very passionate about it, isn't it like that? Um, and um, she was uh, so passionate that she had um, uh, a real vision, which was wonderful, and a real, real passion for uh, disseminating coaching and a coaching culture across the organisation. She had the view about the way it had to happen, and the way it had to happen was to make sure that everyone above a certain level had to do a formal um, coaching qualification with the exams, the assignments, the whole thing. 
and yeah, I can see some, I can see some like, oh no, okay, laughing with it. Thank you for that supportive laugh and nod. Yes, of course. I mean, not of course, some, in some places that might have worked, but it absolutely wasn't the right thing for that organisation. It led them into a mire, an absolute mire. Um, it became about doing the qualification and it got stuck. Um, and it became about having to do it. And that's the antithesis of coaching, isn't it? The antithesis of the coaching culture, the antithesis of what Amy was talking about, <laughs> that curiosity, that adult learning. That's not having to do a qualification. So bless her, this, this chief executive, through her passion and her absolute positive intent, created a blooming nightmare. <laughs> and also, do you know what, from a business point of view, wasted an awful lot of time and money, a huge amount of money spent on providers who frankly should have known better and should have gone to that chief executive and said, this ain't working, is it? We need to do something different. And they didn't. So um, that's a big warning for me as well. You know, really, really be careful about who you work with and that they're on your side, really on your side. So um, on what was so important uh, I think it was that for this organisation, what they really, really needed to do uh, is think about who they were and what they actually did and why they actually did it. They were a service organisation providing really important services to other humans. <laughs> so what was most important were the human conversations that happened in that organisation. So what they really needed to do was to do things that made a difference to improving the quality of the conversations that were had in that organisation to then improve the quality of conversation and service and thought for their customers. Of course, like many organisations nowadays. So what they needed to focus on was improving the quality of conversation and doing that through having a, uh, a connection and a congruence with why they existed, how they did what they did and, why uh, and what they actually did in practice. And what they did in practice was largely talking to people. <laughs> so they needed to get better at talking to people and doing qualifications did not help them do that. In fact, they got totally stuck. Um, okay. So uh, linking out to make a reference to something Amy said here as well about observable um, behaviours. So I think congruence, uh, I have a, a bit of an obsession about many things as a coach. Uh, congruence is one of them. Actually being congruent between what we say, how we behave and what we actually do, what we do in practice. So that saying and doing congruence is so, so important, isn't it? And I, I think there's an opportunity to think about how that applies in terms of um, engaging the board, that thinking about... Um, the board strategy, the board values, and how do we actually think about how does that connect with the coaching culture we want to create, and how does that connect with how we engage the board? How can we use that intelligence and have that as a congruent set of thoughts? So following on from that, I, I think there's a, a huge opportunity for us to use our coaching skills. I'm imagining that most of you in the room are uh, uh, coaches, uh, whether that's small C or large C, or you use your own coaching skills, I think we mustn't forget that we can use those coaching skills to engage and to help us to get that board buy-in. So uh, these may not be necessarily in the right order, but um, deeply, deeply listening. That, of course, is a key coaching skill, isn't it? Listening beyond the level at which we normally listen for normal conversation. If we deeply listen to our senior leaders, what might we hear? We might really hear what they're really concerned about in the business. What, are that, what, are, what is keeping them awake at night? Um, and then we can connect, of course, the coaching culture and the, the pieces of that that are going to help them address what they're really worried about. So noticing patterns. Of course, experienced coaches notice patterns. We listen 
at the words, we listen to what's not said, we listen to the body, and we listen to the patterns in the system, don't we? Particularly if we're systemic coaches or we're team coaches or organisational coaches, we notice patterns. So notice the patterns. Notice what's going on and what's not being said in those conversations and use that intelligence to think, okay, how can we design our really clever thought-out strategies here to engage these people, noticing what they're actually talking about at senior meetings, at board meetings and so on. These patterns are important. Empathising. Sometimes we don't empathise with them. They're people too. So we need to empathise with them to help think about how we can influence them. At the end of the day, they're only people. Um, power dynamics, of course, take, making sure that we're aware of, and I'm sure many of us in the room are, we think about how to influence and think about those power dynamics. But it's incredibly, incredibly important because um, uh, just talking to, to Tim earlier, having a little chat with him about, about our personal experiences and uh, Tim was talking about some experience that he's had. You know, uh, sometimes that you may or may not have a supportive CEO. You may have the exact opposite. But actually, if you know the dynamics in the organisation and in the team, you can either work out how to influence them or how to how to influence the next most important person to get at least some of what you're looking for. So, knowing, understanding those dynamics uh, is, of course, really really important. Um, and feeling the energy, just like we feel the energy in our coaching conversations, we need to feel sense, sense the energy in the organisation. So when you were right, um, putting in your words in Mentimeter, some of that was about the sentiment and the energy in the organisation, wasn't it? What are people feeling? What's the zeitgeist in the organisation? And how can you tap into where the organisation is at? Those murmurings of what you notice. How can you tap into that in an effective way? Um, the starting from where people are, I think this is really, really crucial. Sometimes we might wish that our board was fully engaged and we might wish that they'd just given us a huge budget for whatever it is that we want to do around coaching. Um, but of course, just like um, Amy was referring to her daughter, I, I have a 16-year-old daughter who keeps me on my toes. She's doing her GCSEs at the moment. Um, we need to start from where people are, not start from where we wish to be. Same with parenting. We need to parent the child we've got, not the one we wish we had. Uh, <laughs> I say that to my husband very regularly. Um, so, yeah, we need to start from where we are. So where are your senior stakeholders? Where are your execs? We need to understand where they actually are, which needs all of the above, the listening, the empathising, the reading the signs, etc. Not start from where we wish they were. They're people too. Um, and, of course, as well as listening and all of those great things that are core coaching skills, um, asking great questions. We mustn't forget, as coaches, we, you know, we have great skills at asking great questions, and great questions are, of course, so powerful. And we can use those to um, help the conversation to get engagement, or at least get our board colleagues to start thinking differently. So I, I'm really tempted to ask, you know, but perhaps in the conversation afterwards, um, be really interested to hear what you think some really powerful questions could be for some of your senior stakeholders to get them thinking differently. Um, I was, there's a myriad, to be honest, there's a myriad. Um, uh, one that occurred to me, given um, where, uh, where we are right now, perhaps, is something around um, what kind of culture do you think this organisation needs to attract and retain the best Gen Z talent going forward? You know, that's just, there's a million, myriad. I bet between you could think of loads, loads of better questions than that. But the kind of questions that are going to um, spark interesting thoughts amongst your senior stakeholders, particularly those of you who went on the Mentimeter and said actually they're open or they're curious or they're, they're, they're not closed. For those of you who, not, who don't have closed-minded senior stakeholders, some great questions might be all that they need to just start them thinking differently and support you in this journey. Uh, okay. So... Last few words here. Um, so, 
Of course, it can be really, really helpful to have uh, board level support uh, and board level champion. Um, so uh, you, may you may have um, one or more of these criteria met, as it were, or, or, or options met. You know, like the lady I was talking about with the CEO, maybe your CEO or your um, key stakeholders have had a great experience of being coached themselves. That's often a really, a really good hook, isn't it? And maybe if you're an organisation that is making progress on this, maybe it's because they've actually had some really good experience of coaching. Um, after all, that's often what brings many people into coaching is having been coached. Isn't it? So experiencing coaching and really knowing what it's like to be able to come to your own incredible insights and change your work life or the rest of your life as a result is often what makes the difference for people. So who, on, who in your senior stakeholders has had a great experience of coaching themselves? Um, maybe you've actually got a step further. Maybe, or sometimes, sometimes you might have a trained coach. Have you got anyone who's actually got some coaching skills or done some coach training in your senior stakeholder set at all? And here, don't think just about your execs, but think about, think about your non-execs and other stakeholders. We mustn't forget about non-execs and other stakeholders. There are other ways to influence. And we need to think creatively about other ways to influence. Um, uh, there are many, many ways to do this. Don't expect it to be a straight line journey. The, whilst you know, uh, coaching culture team have done a brilliant job at setting out the framework, setting out these five areas, your journey to that is going to be unique in your organization because of where your starting point is, what your culture is, who your stakeholders are, what the assets and strengths and challenges are that you've got. So your path will be unique and that's okay. Of course, all of our paths are unique. So think about how can you plot a path that's going to um, help you to make progress. And it might not be the most predictable way. It might not be a straight line journey. Uh, and I would say use foresight. Foresight is a hugely undervalued skill in humanity. Use your foresight, think about, um, uh, use your imagination to think about actually what could this look like six, 12 months, two years, whatever down the line. How does that play out? How could it play out? What could you predict? Um, one of my favorite coaching questions, what are, what are we going to find out in six months that we already know now? So chances are there'll be a lot of patterns and stuff that you know is gonna play out in this organization. Use your headspace, use your foresight to think about that and play a longer game. Uh, definitely on this, play, play a longer game. There will be ways through it, there absolutely will be. And <laughs> um, I was going to say if all else fails, but I don't quite mean it like that. Um, as you said, you can probably still do quite a lot without your senior buy-in. You might go, no, you can't. Yes, you can. <laughs> this is my, I wish I had a video of this, but uh, hands up who's seen Finding Nemo? Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> this would be such a flop if you hadn't seen Bernie Nemo. Um, uh, so I'm a bit schmaltzy here. I, uh, this is one of my favourite, favourite all-time little movie clips. So given most of you put your hands up, thank you so much. Um, the bit where uh, the cod are in the trawler net and little Nemo goes, swim down, swim down. And they do. And they pull the trawler over and they break the net and the cod get out. I mean, love it. Uh, so <laughs> it's a little vegetarian moment, but I just love it. <laughs> I love it, I love it, I love it. <laughs> um, that is a great example of coaching culture because actually you can do a lot of this without that senior support. A lot of this is mindset. If we think we can do it, chances are we can. And as a little prop, I just wanted to give a plug. I'm sure you've all read the wonderful coaching culture magazines and they are really good, I do mean it. Issue four, if you haven't read it, um, it's all good, but actually there's a particularly great case, work, um, uh, case study of, in the civil service, really, really good case study in issue four um, about a 
team that did a really good creative piece of work to create change um, sub-board level. They've a really targeted piece of work that's had really good impact at pretty low cost, led by a small number of people without changing the whole organisation. It's within the Ministry of Justice, so that's a whopping government department. There's no way they went to the top and tried to get everything to change. They did a great piece of work in their area that had real impact. So we don't necessarily need the top to endorse it. We can do a whole bunch of stuff anyway. Um, and just to leave you with a couple of thoughts on that, really, that, um, you know, that much of the zeitgeist in uh, 2019 and beyond is about and will be about um, change happening through social movements. And isn't it about time? At the end of the day, there's more of us than there are of them. Um, so I'd like to leave you with one of my all-time favourite quotes, which is, never doubt that a small group of people can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Thank you. So, Zoe Cohen, you just got the word zeitgeist into a talk about a coaching culture. <laughs> There's the mic drop for the day. <laughs> Zoe used a really important word for me in terms of creating that coaching culture during her talk, and it's that word, why? I know I failed to really express that to boards and organisations I've worked in, because I'm really passionate about coaching. This is the right thing to do. Really discover and communicate that why to your board. Help them to understand how coaching culture will kill the inertia and drive the productivity for them. And a real light bulb moment for me is, Use your effective coaching skills to positively influence your board's buy-in to achieve your desired coaching culture. Thank you, Zoe.